You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. And so I wanted to start today by just sharing with you guys a little aspect that I love about our Grace students' time. You see, whether it be on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning during service, uh, all of our Grace students' times have some kind of small group discussion. And during that small group discussion, I do something that I love called highs and lows. Who's ever done highs and lows before? You guys got to get in student ministry more, it seems like. But... So for those of you who don't know, highs and lows is basically a time where all of the students get to share a little bit about their past week. So your highs are when you're sharing the things that were fun, your highlight of the week. What did you enjoy? What did you love? What's something new, fun, exciting that happened? And then your lows are typically like, you know what? I might've got in trouble. This part wasn't so fun. If you guys could pray for me, this would be a really good thing. Um, So I typically like to do what we call lows and highs because I like to share and be real with each other and kind of express things that we're struggling with, but we always like ending on a high note. Um, So being the summertime, we've had a lot of fun highs that the kids have been sharing, some really great highlights. We had things like family vacations, the New York City mission trip was just a big one for students, Uh, camps, retreats. Uh, If you were, probably if I was over there now, I'd be sharing about Love Denver yesterday. That was fun. So it's just a cool time over the summer where we hear all the different things going on in the students' lives. But over the past couple weeks, when everyone's sharing their lows, uh, we've kind of all been hitting the same low coming up. Does anyone have a guess on what kids are not happy about happening? School. Thank you. Yeah. Every single kid. It's like one kid says, oh, I'm not happy about school starting. And then the next thing I know, the next 15 kids are like, ah, we're not happy about it either. I was a little bit of a different kid. We have a couple of outliers in our students, but I was definitely the kid that by the time August, September was coming up, I was excited to get back in school. You know, I'm a creature of habit. I love getting back into a routine, getting back into the rhythm. Summer's fun, but it's definitely chaotic. I know my wife and I were on the road, it felt like half of the summer. So finally, when August comes around, I'm sure parents feel the same way, there's finally kind of a a simple routine or a back to normality that we all get to enter. Uh, And so I'm really excited about it. We have some students excited about it. Most students are not happy about it. Um, But in the spirit of getting back into routines, uh, I'm trying to implement getting back into certain routines in my own life. Can anyone guess what one of the routines I've been trying to do is lately? What? Can anyone guess what I've been trying? No? You can't tell? All right. Well, I've been going to the gym in case you haven't noticed. And by going back to the gym, I mean I went to the gym Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this past week. Thank you. Someone noticed. Now... Now you might be like, oh yeah, he's got a little something there. But trying to get back into the gym, it's been a little while. um, And I kind of went through the same routine I go into when I ever try to get back into the gym. I check out my phone. I see the weight that I was doing like six months ago. And I'm like, all right, like a 50-pound dumbbell. It's been a little bit. I'm a little bit weaker. Maybe I'll try like the 45 or the 40 and we'll see how it goes. So I go. I try to do a little bit less weight. And the next thing I know, I'm dropping back maybe to the 30, 35 pound dumbbell. Um, Try that again. Next thing I know, I'm more doing like the 25 pound. And then I'm just happy to get through the whole workout. And and I'm ready for the ibuprofen before I've even like gotten out of the building. But um, 
So that's really the story of my life. I'm getting old. Um, but I say this because I think that we, whenever we're talking about any kind of routine, whenever we're talking about getting into any kind of rhythm, I think we have the same kind of formula that we apply to any of these cases. Taking the gym, for example, um, we see our end results. So for me personally, like I remember what I was striving towards when I was working out. I remember the goal that I was trying to reach. And, and there's times in my life where I was making some good progress. But obviously with the summer and X, Y, and Z, I haven't been in that rhythm or that routine on a consistent basis. So now that I'm trying to get back into that rhythm, what do I need to do? I need to take a step back. I, I need to not be upset about where I'm at in this moment, but I have to make small strides to try to get back into that routine. I gotta start with the basics to get back into the rhythm. Maybe it's a little less weight, maybe it's a little, a little less reps, whatever it might be, but we start small to gradually build that rhythm again, and then what happens? We get on track to try to reach our end goal. And I think that's the same with any kind of pattern, any kind of habit that we're going through in life. And really, I would say it's the same thing that we need to do for our spiritual life. Because how many of us would agree that, that in our spiritual life, when it comes to our daily pursuit of a relationship with God, there's seasons where things are going really well, but then there's seasons where like we're not doing so great at it. You know, maybe during the good season, we were, were reading our Bible on a daily basis. But then, you know, during the summer or during the busy time, it's kind of like maybe those days are far in between. Or in the good season, we're, we're really able, you know, we wake up 20 minutes early and we have a good time of prayer before we leave for work. And during the, the busy season or during the season of distraction, maybe, maybe we remember to pray on the drive to work and we maybe get a couple minutes in. Maybe we're praying that that other guy we work with isn't in the office today. I don't know. Um, or during small groups. Like maybe there's seasons of small group time where, where we're there every single week and we're excited to be there and we can't wait for that community, that time together. But then there's other seasons where it's like, you know what? Small group is definitely much more of, a, of an option then it is a priority. And none of these things, like they're not bad things, but I think what's important for us as believers to realize, hey, there's times where we're really in a good rhythm with our faith, and there's times where we're just, we're kind of out of sync. And we have to get back to the basics and get back into that rhythm to kind of strive towards what is our goal as believers in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do today is just kind of two things. I want to address the topic of, you know, what is our goal? On a daily basis, what do we as Christians, what do we as believers, what is it that we're striving towards? And then if we ever get out of rhythm, if we ever get out of sync, what are the basics that we can get back to so that we can continue to make that thing a continuous part of our life? Does that make sense? So before we jump to scripture, will you guys just pray with me real quick? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and to just be together as a church uh, to worship you, God. Lord, we thank you for the summer. We thank you um, for just all the fun, exciting things, um, the things that we don't always get to enjoy, but we were able to do it over the past couple months. And Lord, we, we thank you for this new season, this fresh start coming into the fall. And God, I pray that as we're going through a season of, of getting back into rhythms, getting back into 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 routines, that you just open our hearts and prepare us to let this be an opportunity to grow closer to you, to get to know you more, God. So Lord, prepare us for what you have in store for us today. In your name we pray.
Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and if not, it's in your notes, but we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to distract you while I drink water. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 18. And to give you a little bit of backstory, what's going on here is Paul's writing a letter to the people uh, in Corinth. And basically, the people in Corinth are, they're new believers, they're new to their faith, they're, they're brand new Christians, and they're trying to learn what it means to actually live out our faith. What does it mean to be a believer in Jesus? And so they're hearing from Paul, but they're hearing from other people as well. And what we have happening is people are kind of infiltrating and becoming false teachers. And they're not exactly bad-mouthing who Jesus is, but what they're doing is they're kind of skewing what the truth is meant to be. So that these people who are new to their faith that are trying to learn about Jesus for the first time, they're just kind of, they're, they're kind of getting driven off track a little bit. And so what Paul is doing is he's writing a letter to them to basically say, hey, we need to get back to the basics. We need to know like this is the foundation that we're living off of. And that's part of what we're going to be addressing here in verse 18. So it'll be on the screens, but please just read along if you can. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let me read that again. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Say that word, transform. See, what Paul is saying here and what he's addressing is that the moment we become believers in Jesus, the moment we decide to follow Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we start a relationship with God. And we begin to know who God is. We begin to know his character. And not only that, once we get to know who God is, then we get to also know who we're meant to be. Because as people created in the image of God, we're not supposed to look like the way we did yesterday, but that we are called to look and reflect the image of God. So as we learn who God is, as we learn God's character, we also learn the way that we're supposed to live. And as believers, what we constantly do is we learn more about God, we learn more about what we're called to be, and we apply that to our lives. And then like he says in the verse, we are continuing to transform ourselves, not to the people that we were, but transform ourselves to who we are meant to be. And that's the daily, um, that's the daily journey that we as believers are on. That we're constantly being transformed more and more to reflect God's image and not to reflect who we were in the past. It's why I honestly love the vision that we have here at Grace. I'm sure if you guys have been here for any amount of time, you've heard Lisa say that our vision here, and we call it in four words, connect, grow, serve, and go. And the reason we have that vision is because that's our hope for every believer, that we want people to connect with God, to start a relationship with God, to begin that journey of getting to know who God is. You know, connecting with his people so that we're building communities to help learn from one another, encourage each other, pray for each other. And then as we build that relationship, what do we do? We're growing in our faith. We're growing in our understanding of who God created us to be. 
And we start to learn, you know, what, what, what are the giftings that God's given us? Why do I have the passions and, and the desires that I do? Like, how does God want to use me to be the man or woman that he's created me, me to be? And as we grow in that faith, then what do we do? We go and we serve. We go out into the world. We go and be a light into the world that needs to know who God is so that we are no longer just a part of the world, but we are a part of God's family and he's using us to reach the people that are lost. And that's the journey that we're all on. And so today's topic of conversation and the title of our message is Transformation Through Worship. And so how does this all apply to worship? Now, that's a lot of weight to put on Pastor Aaron on a Sunday morning. I don't know. You know, but that's why I wanted to talk about this today. And it's why I think it's so important kind of in a, in a season of getting back into rhythms. Because as believers, worship is such a, a, an enormous part of what our lives are supposed to reflect. Worship is supposed to be such an intricate part of who we are. But when we get out of sync or we get distracted, we sometimes make worship something it's not meant to be. Or we kind of skew it into, into something that it really wasn't intended to. So what is worship? What are, what are we saying when we're saying we're living a life of worship? What are we saying when we come together as a community and we're saying we are worshiping together? And just as a side plug, um, in case you're ever wondering, we're going to talk a little bit today but if you're ever looking to go deeper in your understanding or learning about worship, this is a book that I've read. Um, I absolutely love it. I'm actually going through it with a student right now, and I know Grace Women has talked about it, but it's How to Worship a King uh, by Zach Neese. And if you want to know the book, you can feel free to come ask me about it later. But he just does an amazing job of not just talking about worship, but expressing at its core what was it meant to be. How do we apply it to our lives? And a shameless plug, if you were saying, you know what, I wanted to start a life group or something, but I don't even know what I would talk about, this would be a great book to talk about. Not saying you need to, just saying maybe it'd be a good idea. But it's a great book, and I highly recommend it. But one of the things that he talks about in here that, that I want to address with you guys today is what is the word worship? Because if you don't know, like, we use the term worship, but really when you look at the original text of scripture, when you look at the Greek and the Hebrew, basically there's, you know, this word, this word, five, six, there's, there's several words that we just said, you know what, we're going to translate all those to worship. And so what are we actually talking about when we're addressing worship? And it might come as a surprise to you, but when you look at the New Testament, when you look at what worship is translated from, rarely is it ever talked about as a time where we come together and sing songs. It's not a time that it's like we're just expressing ourselves in music. It's something very different. The most common word that is translated in the New Testament into worship is the word proskuneo. Say that word, proskuneo. Proskuneo, if you look at the definition of that word, I think it's going to surprise you. It's to kiss. Not like I would kiss Natalie. It's not like that. But it's to kiss like a dog would lick its master's hand. Whoever said, oh, it's probably like, nah, maybe not. It's to kiss like a dog licking its master's hand. It also says that it is to prostrate ourselves in reverence of someone else. 
And when you think about that with worship, you're like, are you saying that worship is making me out to be like a dog? Absolutely. Because how many of you are dog people? Who's here ever owned a dog before? Hopefully some. I've dog sat a couple of your dogs and it makes us want to be dog people. But when you're gone for a couple hours, uh, have you ever come home and your dog's happy to see you and your dog's barking and it's jumping on you and it's messing up your going out clothes and you're like, get down and then it runs around and it's just making laps around the living room, comes back at you, it's trying to lick your face. You're like, I already told you, get down, don't do that. And then what does it do? It goes and gets its toy, it runs back at you and it's just so excited to see you and all of its attention is focused on just being excited that you're in the room and that is the word. That's what worship is meant to be. That when we're in the presence of God, that we are just so ecstatic and so excited to be in his presence that all of our focus is contained on him. And so when you look at how do we apply worship in our lives, then the fruit of that worship, the thing that should be being taken out and expressed in that worship is the transformation that we're supposed to be living. It's not just about looking like me, but it's about being excited and ecstatic about being in the presence of God and then allowing that excitement to transform us into who we're created to be. Does that make sense? So what I want to do just in the last couple minutes that we have together is just talk about, so what happens when we're not living a life of worship? What happens when it's like, you know what, I want to focus on God, but I, I, I am distracted and I'm in, a, I'm in a bad season. What are the basics that we need to get back to? And I think there's two key concepts, two ideas, that if we just keep this in the forefront of our mind, it'll help us to get back into the rhythm and the routine of what does it mean to live our life proscuneo? What does it mean to live our life with God in the throne of our lives? Does that make sense? And the first concept is this. Worship... If you're ever in a rut, you remember this thing. Worship is a response to who God is. Worship is a response to who God is. First Chronicles 16, 28, and 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. What does that mean? It means that we're giving credit where credit's due. It means that we are worshiping and honoring and exalting God for no other reason simply than he is God. And he deserves the glory. He deserves the worship. And that's really easy to do when we feel like worshiping God. But it's hard to do when we're not waking up so early or we're not sleeping as well or we don't feel like it or those three kids just became four kids and we didn't expect that, whatever it might be. But it's hard for us, it's really simple for us to lose focus. But here's the thing, worship isn't about me. Worship isn't about my feelings. Worship isn't about my preferences. Worship is simply the fact that God deserves it. 
So in all seasons of my life, seasons of it easy going, seasons of being really close to God, seasons of feeling like I'm struggling and feeling far from God, worship is still worship. You know, um, in 1997, Michael Jordan had his epic flu game. Everyone, does anyone know the flu game? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, so at least half of us, that's great. But for those of you who don't know, Michael Jordan, considered one of the greatest of all time, and then other people believe something wrong. But uh, Michael Jordan was in the 1997 championship, right? So the series is tied 2-2. And he's coming into that night. He's got flu-like symptoms. They're thinking maybe it's a virus. Maybe it's food poisoning. Like, I don't know, but he's just feeling like crud. And if you've ever dealt with food poisoning or if you've ever dealt with any kind of virus, the last thing you feel like doing is getting out of the house. The last thing you feel like doing is going to work. The last thing you feel like doing is any kind of physical activity. And for Michael Jordan, it just meant all three of those things were happening at once. But what does he do? He goes out, you know, scores 38 points, Game-winning shot. You know, he's literally carried off the field because of how physically sick he's feeling. But at the end of the day, we don't consider Michael Jordan to be one of the greatest of all times. We don't consider him a legendary champion because of what he did in the regular season or when he was just feeling at the top of his game. But we remember these iconic moments because in the times where it would make sense for him to not want to play, when it would make sense for, for him to take the day off, he chose to still give it a championship effort. And that's why we're still talking about it 20, 22 years later. And the same concept can be applied to our spiritual life. And I'm not talking about doing it for glory. But what I'm talking about is that no one's going to look at our faith. No one's going to look at us as the light of the world and say there's something different about us if we're just worshiping God when it's convenient or when it's easy, or when I feel like it. No, the thing that's going to make people notice that our God is a God worthy of our praise is that even in the midst of our struggle, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm feeling like the world's bogging me down, I am still going to give him the praise and the glory and the worship because that's what he deserves. In all seasons of my life, I am proscuneo worshiping God because he is worthy. Amen? See, worship isn't about me. And here's the other thing. Worship isn't about what God is going to do. Worship is a response to who God is. Worship is a response of who God is. If our expression of worship is focused on what he does or what he's going to do or what I'm getting out of it, then what we're saying is that God is really just only worthy of worship Sometimes, or even scarier, God's only worthy of worship when I decide he's worthy of worship. And if we're saying that, then basically what we're saying is that we're the ones in control. We're the ones that want to be God. We want to call the shots. But here's the thing. We all go through, there's, I always think there's like two extremes when it comes to like, let's take Sunday mornings, for example. Let's take times where we come together for worship. There's two types of feelings you have in the morning and we all have it. So don't sit here and say you don't because I know you do. But there's the times where we come in and the moment we enter the building, we're like, oh, I feel something different. I feel the presence of God in this room. 
Maybe by the time the first song has happened, like you're teary-eyed, you're like, oh, that struck a chord, that was really good, and you're just having a great moment of worship, and you're like, wow, that's what I needed. That was a moment of worship that was just, that was going to be great. That's my highlight of the week. That's the high I'm going to share at Life Group right there. But then we got the times where we're pulling the car in park right when Aaron's finishing the, the first song. You know, we're, we're going in and we should be rushing into the sanctuary, but where do we go? We got to make sure we get our cup of coffee. And we're sitting there and we got the coffee in our hand. We got our hand in our pocket and we're like, if I can get three quarters of this down by the end of the song or by the last song, I'm going to, you know. And we're thinking to ourselves, please don't let it be a Sunday where, where Pastor Stan asks us to pray out loud from our seats because I'm like, I'm not even putting sentences together right now. But we all go through both of these moments. We all have moments where we feel the presence of God and we feel like he's there in that moment and we want to worship him. But we also feel times where, where we definitely don't feel that way. And the last thing we feel like doing is sitting there and worshiping God. But I gotta tell you, in the equation that is worship, there are two things that are at play. There is who God is and how we react to him. There's who God is and how do I respond? And who God is, is not changing in that equation. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is our almighty God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the only thing that's changing in that equation is how am I gonna respond to him in this moment? How am I gonna choose to worship him in this moment regardless of what I'm feeling? So if we're not thinking it's a good moment of worship, it's got nothing to do with what God's doing over here, but how am I posturing myself? How am I prosecuting myself to put God in the most high position of my life so that when I come in here, regardless of my feelings, I am gonna worship him to the highest ability. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a, you know, faking it until we make it, or, or if I fake it here, eventually I'll feel it, or, or putting a mask on when I don't feel like worshiping. All I'm saying is, worship is not a feeling. Worship is a choice. And it's a choice that we need to be making regardless of our circumstance, because he is worthy. And the great thing about the good news of Jesus is when we say God is worthy and we make that proclamation in our lives, there's so much that comes with that. There is grace, there is forgiveness, there is bondage that's broken, but we do it initially because we know that God deserves that place in our lives. So when we're talking about the basics of worship, we have to acknowledge that, that it is a response to who God is. And then the second thing is, worship is really a, a surrender to who we are. It's a surrender to ourselves. Romans 12, one and two says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, there's that word again, by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So worship is not about what I can receive in that moment, but it's what am I willing to give to God? 
to offer my life as a living sacrifice, to say to God, Lord, I am going to give you all of me. And it's when we posture ourselves in that way that God is going to work in our lives and he's going to teach us and he's going to show us through his spirit things that we need to know about him, things that we need to work on in our lives, things that we need to forgive ourselves for because he's already forgiven us for them. And we are constantly being transformed. But part of that is saying, hey, I'm not coming to God because I'm going to get this out of it. I'm coming to God to see what do I have to offer him. I was talking on the phone just just a couple days ago um, to a friend of mine. And uh, we've been friends for, for a couple of years now. And, and things have been going really well. And, um, but he has been going through just a tough moment. You know, he's been talking about, you know, how he's been struggling with anxiety and, and stress and dropping weight and, and just, just really like a tough time for him. Um, but I told him, you know, I, I had to applaud him because really I was impressed because he was willing to admit that even in a time of struggle, I mean, dropping weight, trying to get counseling, whatever it might be, he's still open to say like, you know what? I know this is a spiritual battle. I know this is something that I'm dealing with, but how do I continue to pursue God in all of this? Regardless of the circumstance, how do I keep pursuing God? And I kind of, and I was thinking about him yesterday and I was praying and I was thinking to myself, you know, really like if I was in his shoes, like how do I pray for him? Like what would I be feeling if I were him? And it's one of those things where it's kind of like the last thing I probably would feel like doing is, is worshiping God or surrendering myself to him, or saying, God, you, you deserve the, the high throne of my life. But then I heard the Spirit talk to me. And he's like, what if the anxiety, the stress, the pain, the, the worries, what if that doesn't go away? What if you're not gonna feel relief until you are made whole with me in heaven for eternity? What if I'm not willing to tell you that with your worship, there's going to be an end result on earth that you're going to like? Would you still worship me then? And it's like, like it hit me. Because so many times we make worship the, the hype song to our work life or the hype song. Like we put it on and, and almost like going to the gym, it's like, I need this worship experience to be good because I need to get through the day. But worship isn't meant to be what we're going to get out of it or how God's going to put us through the next chapter. That's a part of it. And God guides us through all the struggles of our life. But at its core, the basic we get back to is worship is how do I surrender my life? How do I surrender myself and give it all to God? Psalm 103, it says, um, praise the Lord, my soul, all of my inmost being. So when we're talking about this idea of our lives being transformed into the image of Christ, and we'll finish with this, it's a constant cycle that happens when we worship God. And that worship, that proskuneo, it's, it's an internal decision regardless of my circumstance, to surrender my life to God. And then we let his spirit in and, and reveal stuff in our lives. 
And then we make the decision to externally live that out. So we make the decision in our heart, we live it out with our lives. And then we grow closer to God and we know him more. And we do more to surrender more of our life to him. And he reveals stuff to us and then we live it out. And then we surrender to him and he reveals stuff and we live it out. And it's a constant never ending cycle that really is transformation. And it's what we as all of us as believers are called to do. So we're gonna finish today um, just with a few songs of worship. And before you guys stand, I just, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. I'm just gonna ask you to enter into a moment of prayer. Um, and really just think in your life, like, and, and I've got it too. What are things that we're struggling with? What are things that you're struggling with that I'm struggling with? That we just need to surrender to God right now. God, I want to worship you. There, there's an aspect of my life that I'm not making you the master of, that I'm not surrendering that to you. And when we go into this moment of worship together, I just ask you guys to focus on that thing, whatever it might be for you. Maybe it's a relationship in your life. Maybe, maybe it's your finances. Maybe, maybe it's a habit you're trying to break. Whatever it might be. But Lord, what is, what is that thing that I'm still trying to be in control of? And I want you to think about that right now. And Lord, as we enter into this time of worship through song, God, we just lift these things to you. We lay them down at your altar, God. God, that regardless of these things that we're going through, they're not gonna be what defines our relationship with you. But God, that we choose to worship you regardless because you are worthy. In your name we pray, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.